Welcome to the EquipCast for the Archdiocese of Omaha. Designed to help leaders to transform their cultures, to embody the pastoral vision, to be one church, encountering Jesus, equipping disciples, and living mercy. Welcome everybody to the EquipCast. My name is Jim Jansen, and I am your host. I am really glad you all are with us today. You're going you're gonna to get to join in uh, a fun conversation today. Two good friends, co-workers uh, are with me today. We're going we're gonna to talk, this is kind of a dad conversation. Uh, two, three, three of us dads here just sitting together, talking about our faith, talking about passing our faith on to our children. So with me, I've got uh, Mr. Andy Deka and Mr. Calvin Mueller. Gentlemen, how you doing? Doing great. Yeah, excited for this conversation. I've been, yeah, just really looking forward to this. Yeah, this is kind of like our, this is like a lunch conversation that we've been having, right, for several years that we're like, hey, we should record this. Calvin, how are you? I'm doing fantastic. I think I got a good four and a half hours of sleep last night. So kids were up and at it early this morning. So I'm just ready to roll, right? I am sure that's, that's how most people describe <laughs> the start of their good day. Yeah, it's the heart of fatherhood. There's no, exactly. yeah, that was like the early, the, my early horrific discovery of being a dad, that there's no snooze button on those little things. I can't, if they wake up at, at four or five, there's no, there's no snooze button. Right. There's, there's a reason that militaries use sleep deprivation as, as a torture mechanism. It is, yeah, uh, it you can't, you, prepa- you can't prepare for it as a father, <laughs> sleep deprivation of what it'll do to you. But I am, I am excited about this and I am ready to roll. Okay, so we're going to jump in. We work together. So both Andy and Calvin work for the Archdiocese of Omaha in the parish support team. Gentlemen, normally I ask the question, tell us about your day job, tell us what you do. But we're, we're particularly talking about families today. So tell us about your families. Yeah, I can, I can go first. Yeah, um, my wife and I were married in uh, 2014. We have uh, three kids. Uh, Gemma is four. Margaret is two, and we have uh, Elliot, who's six months now. Yeah, we're trying to right now keep uh, the girls from smothering their brother. They just love. Um, <laughs> just is that, is that a metaphor, or is that a real? <laughs> is that a real risk they, in the day? They, they they really love trying to help. They um, and yeah, sometimes they're not not successful. So um, he's going to be able to keep up with them here pretty soon, I'm sure, and and, and hold his own. But. You know, my wife runs a, a home daycare, as I mentioned on a different, <laughs> different episode. So that's yeah, um, just another another dynamic for our our family too. You know, she's uh, she's got a lot of lot of little ones to look after. Wife Shelby and I, we've been married almost seven years now. We got married a year after college. We met right before college. Both had uh, experiences at the Newman Center in Lincoln that yeah, kind of changed changed the trajectory of our our lives allowed us, I guess, to experience the Lord in, in just a deeper way, in a way that we never expected. Um, and so with that, we we now have four children, Josie, who's six and a half, a kindergartner, Gemma, four and a half, Oliver, two and a half, and Bosco, who's about six months. So all about two years apart. And then my daughter would insist that we now include our new bunny, Lily that we got for Easter as part of the family. So, you know, so technically, according to her, we now have five children that Wait, we're looking after. Is this after. a living bunny or a stuffed bunny? <laughs> this is a living bunny that we got for Easter. Okay. Uh, Easter Lily. Uh, so her oh, name is Lily. I see what you're doing there. Very nice. Okay. 
yeah, we're actually thinking about getting a dog. So, oh, rabbits are easy, man. I think you should stick no, with the we rabbit. Have, there. We already have chickens, so <laughs> we'll see how the chicken and dog thing goes together. Okay, so some of the listeners know, but my wife Kim and I—we've been married almost. It will be twenty years in December, and we have six children. Uh, JP, our oldest, is just about to graduate from high school, headed to college. Uh, Josie is a uh, sixteen sophomore. Uh, Joshua is our uh, eighth grader headed into high school. Uh, Joey is uh, eighth grader, or excuse me, eight, just about to get, receive his first communion. Jacinta is, uh, JC, she goes by, is uh, five years old. And then we have a two-year-old, uh, Joyana, a little little Joy, um, who is aptly named. Uh, Joy is, yeah, two years old and, and a little bun- bundle of Joy. And this would be a really good time for us. This is kind of a dangerous conversation. You know, as we talk about kind of family life and passing on our faith to the next generation, this would be a really good time for two important disclaimers. Number one, we're not experts in religious ed or family ministry and certainly not parenthood, although we do work with experts. Uh, Jody Phillips, we love you, but we work with experts in those fields, but we are not. Uh, We're just dads uh, trying to be good dads in a missionary age. Um, And probably the most important disclaimer, which I feel like could come back to bite us, we have not talked to our wives about this, or at least specifically what we should say on this episode. Uh, Sorry, honey. (laughs) So we'll see how that we'll have this. They may have different thoughts. Um, Maybe we'll have like a, you know, a part two episode and they can come on and correct what we leave out here. So, okay, to get us started here, Andy, can you just give us a brief summary? We're talking about parents evangelizing their kids. Give us a little summary. Like what does the church have to say about the role of parents in evangelizing, informing their children? Yeah, I'd, I'd love to just take a look at, um, so Catechesi Tridende, um, it's catechesis in, in our time, right? And this is a document that John Paul II wrote. And there's just three things that I want to highlight from um, from this document that he talks about. Um he says that parents have this, this role and this, um, um, this priority of forming their children in the faith. And that happens through uh, the witness of the rhythm of their daily life. It happens through um, explanation of the faith at key moments. So like mm-hmm. at baptisms, at you know, feast days, liturgical seasons, key moments in the life of, the, of that family. Um, and then he actually goes on to say that those things aren't sufficient of themselves but parents actually need to engage in uh, a methodical explanation of the faith that they themselves have received. Right. So if I could just unpack those three things. Yeah. Um, So daily moments or daily life, special moments, and then like a, what, an intentional systematic, I forget the word you used. Yeah. So really a systematic catechesis. Okay. Right. So, so the witness and the, and the rhythm of daily life um, is, um, it encompasses a lot of different things. It's really just how the, how the family lives and interacts with one another, right? It's the rhythm of prayer. It's the rhythm of, um, of, of serving one another, right? This example of, of families laying down, laying aside their own preferences um, for the sake of the others in the family um, or for others outside of the family, right? Um, and, you know, forgiving each other when we've done something wrong, it, you know, it's, it encompasses all of those things, just this witness and this rhythm of life. And then, right, the explanation of the faith. Why, why are we celebrating Christmas? What, what's, the, what's the meaning of, of Christmas? What's the meaning of Easter? What are the, you know, what is that, how does that affect us? How do we enter into that celebration? What does baptism 
um, really mean? What does that signify? What's the impact of that on our on our lives and our family? Right. So taking those key opportunities to just dive deeply and and make it clear and explicit for uh, for our children what's happening in those moments. And then I think this last this last point is really uh, critical. It's kind of the most um, I don't know the most interesting to me because I think it's maybe the most neglected um, is that um, that we as as parents right as dads um, um, how are we being systematic about an, an explanation of the faith, right? So um, that, that's just integrated into the midst of, of our life, right? Um, so one that just presumes that that we're being formed ourselves, we're taking opportunities to seek out formation or do, do our own kind of spiritual reading. Um, it, it presumes to help, maybe help from the parish, you know, how are, how are parents being formed yeah. um, uh, to be effective catechists for their children, right? So it's not just sending our kids to the parish to be formed in a systematic way, but but how are we as parents um, reinforcing that systematic catechesis that's happening um, at the parish? Okay, so that's that's beautiful. Let's talk just a moment about reality, Calvin. How does that how does that square with our typical approaches and experiences? in our parishes and our schools. Because you know, shock of all shocks, sometimes there's a gap between what the church holds up for us as ideals and, and what we experience. Yeah, Jim, I think you just acknowledging that oftentimes there is a gap. And uh, I think it's okay to acknowledge that and like what Andy just shared there. Um, I have a priest friend who, who likes to say, you know, at some point um, we maybe took the method of Jesus, which, which seems to be, um, you know, having teach, teaching the adults and then blessing the children. We have kind of flipped that within our parishes where we have an emphasis on teaching the children and just blessing the adults. Mm. And I think uh, there's an opportunity right now, I guess, for us to, to maybe rediscover what it means to, to really support, you know, parents and fathers and individuals as they, um, you know, strive to witness to a, a, a rhythm of holiness, um, you know, being able to explain key moments to their children um, and, and a methodical explanation of that. So, so two just, you know, <laughs> quick ideas around that. One is that I, I actually do think, although there is a gap, the parish is absolutely essential in helping a uh, a father and a mother prioritize, mm -hmm. you know, holiness in their own lives. And so availability of the, of the sacraments, you know, uh, um, helping to establish a rhythm of attending, um, you know, mass on, not just mass on Sundays, potentially during the week, um, you know, being able to go to Eucharist adoration, being able to um, go to confession and, and help families to, to prioritize those things and see those things as available. And then when, when families do choose to prioritize those things, you know, they can witness a rhythm of that to their children. I didn't experience much of that in my youth, but as I gotten older and saw families that I loved and respected do that with their families, it was so eye-opening to the, the power of um, a family having a, a, a rhythm, passing that on to their kids. And so when a parish, you know, prioritizes that, can set up um, you know, systems and where that um, can be done by a family, um, beautiful things can happen. Yeah. Well, and to come alongside parents and say, okay, this is your job. This, mm -hmm. you are the primary evangelator, evangelizers, informators of your kid, but we're going to come alongside you. We are going to support you. We're going to form and equip you for what really only you 
have the grace for. You know, not that not that the parish and the school can't assist with that. I mean, oh my gosh, it's so great to have that assistance. I, I remember very early on when I was. Uh, I don't even know how old my, you know, my, my kids were at, at the time and very, very young, but I remember looking around a group of young people, young couples, young parents that we were friends with, and all of us had come from extraordinary families. Um, just, you know, quick bio for me. I mean, I remember how odd I felt because my parents were just obnoxiously more faithful than seemingly all my other friends. You know, like, so like that all of these young couples at the time we all recognized that we came from extraordinarily good families, huge blessings in our lives. And we also had this horrifying reality right in front of us that, you know what? I came from the best family. And if I just repeat what my parents did, my kids are going to lose their faith. Like, I can't just do that. And that, that, that awakened a desire in me, not that the parish or the school would replace my role, but that somebody would come alongside me, that somebody would help equip and encourage and empower me and help create those spaces and those, those moments where I could do what only I could do as a parent and a dad in this case. Jim, just to add, add to that, um, and I know we're going to talk about, you know, ideas, solutions, and, and how, how it is that we can, you know, maybe tackle, um, you know, this issue of, of, individuals and couples needing to be accompanied. But just last night, I was sitting with a group of men and uh, an individual, you know, shared, you know, he's just recently started coming back to mass. And um, it's, it's, it's done beautiful things for him and his family. But he goes, it was so hard, because I found myself not being able to understand how I could explain why we've decided to make this decision as a family. And he goes, mm -hmm. I realized it was so hard because my experience was we went to mass every Sunday, non-negotiable, but um, we didn't say a word before and we didn't say a word after. My dad was just a stoic man who didn't yeah. give any explanation to these things. And so although I loved and respected him for, for making that priority, there's a gap there that I, I need to resolve. I need to now be able to not only attend and expect my family to do so alongside me. But I also need to be able to give explanations and give the why as to why we're doing this. And 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 everybody in the group just resonated with that statement yeah, last night. That's huge. Yep. That's that's rocking. That's rocking me. I mean, it's like because I would say my dad was the same. I mean, right, Cedar County boy, Menominee Parish. There was never a doubt if we were going to mass. Um, and at the time, I didn't necessarily have the questions of why, but my kids have those questions. And, and they're like, oh, and you know, like, and I, praise God, I've got some training and some background that I can cobble together a pretty good, pretty good why. But I, I was, I was not given that. I actually had to, to discover that and learn how to articulate that. Yeah, that's so good. I mean, it's really this shift, I think in some ways that we've been seeing from a Christendom culture to, you know, an apostolic age where, where once maybe, maybe it was enough, um, you know, just to have that, that kind of obligation. And there were just Catholic communities and, and you're just, that was, that was a community you were a part of, but now we just really have to be intentional as, um, as we're raising families. Um, yeah. Just knowing that, that the culture isn't going to carry us or support us. You know, we'd really have to make intentional decisions about how we're passing on the faith. All right. So guys, I'm going to put you on the spot here. We'll take a risk. If this doesn't turn out well, we'll edit it out. And this, this, this little <laughs> section never happened. 
I think some people are listening. They're like, yeah, yeah. So what do you say to your kids? And like, daddy, why are we going to mass? Um, and that of course doesn't sound, it sounds a little different when the teenagers ask that question, but like, why are we going to mass? Like, why do we do this? Well, I think that question is a part of a bigger why, you know, um, if, if we were living out, you know, the witness of a, of a rhythm of life, there's a lot of whys to, to the things that we're deciding to do as a family that mm-hmm. my kids could question or others could question. Um, and so the why I would give to, to mass, um, you know, why we attend mass is also just a part of a, a bigger why in the things that we choose to do as a family. And so mass mm-hmm. is certainly a priority, but because we celebrate, you know, feast days, baptism days, because we prioritize those during our month, celebrating those things as a family, um, because we, you know, do Bible studies in our household and things like that. Mm-hmm. And, and because we try to normalize talking about the person of Jesus Christ, when it comes to giving an explanation of mass, I, I'll, I guess I'll just, I'll give the explanation that my do- oldest daughter gave my four-year-old because we went to the Holy Vigil or the Holy Thursday Vigil service and it was exceptionally long and ex- it was long for me, but it was really long for a four-year-old and we got into the car and she goes, dad, why do we always have to go to church? And I said, uh, Gemma, that's, uh, that's a great question. And she goes, I, I just don't like sitting so long. And my older daughter just jumps in and she goes, oh, Gemma, I, I do not think Jesus would like to hear you say that. And to which I laughed. And then uh, she just goes, no, I hate it. I hate having to sit still in this. And she goes, oh, Gemma, we don't say the word hate. You know, like we wouldn't do that. And she tries to give this explanation. Like, Gemma, we go to church because Jesus is there and he loves us. And don't you want to spend time with Jesus? And I was like, oh, great. Go. That was, that was a good explanation, Josie, yeah. uh, my, my six and a half year old. But I, uh, there was also a grace to not just say yes, Gemma, and don't don't ask any more questions about it. I found myself, <laughs> I found myself saying, you know what, Gemma, I I agree with you. That was really long. That was hard. Sometimes it's hard for me to sit still. You know, <laughs> sometimes it's hard for me to pay attention, especially when it's it. long like that. that. <laughs> you know, like I was able to just kind of enter in and say, okay, yeah, that was that was a particularly difficult evening for all of us. But Gemma, you know like Josie said, you know, Jesus is there and man, isn't it beautiful that we get to come with all of our friends and gather with this family and, and worship Jesus in this way. She's four and a half. I don't know if it really resonated, but, um, I appreciated my six and a half year old's attempt. And, um, for that age, I thought it was appropriate to just sit, share like, and, and this is why, you know, we choose to go tonight. We're going to go tomorrow and the next night. Cause it's the Triduum. but That's yeah, Andy, awesome. what are you thinking? Yeah, gosh, I, I love that story. Um, and yeah, you know, my, my oldest has been, um, she's not ready for her first communion yet. She's only four, but she's, you know, she's asking questions about, about communion. Um, and, um, yeah, so we, we just talk about how, you know, Jesus wants to come and live in our hearts, right? He had, there's a gift that he has given us in, in, in the mass and there's a gift that he, he, that he desires for us. And he wants to come in and, and live in our hearts. Um, and that's why people go up and they receive communion. Um, and so I think just taking those moments at um, like at mass, when I, after everyone goes up for communion, coming back mm-hmm. and, and just kind of helping her to enter into that, even though that she can't receive communion, um, 
she can still express desires to be close to Jesus, you know? And mm-hmm. um, so I think just what you, what you were doing, Calvin, and in, um, and just not passing over that moment, um, but really entering into it and lingering there and, and breaking open the desire, um, I think is just, is so essential and it's so helpful for kids um, to see that, um, that you're, that you're willing to be vulnerable about like, like you, like you were saying about your, <laughs> your own um, uh, discontent at times. Um, right. Daddy has a hard time sitting still too. <laughs> yeah. So One time. Really honest okay. and, and vulnerable. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's the main thing is just really um, um, being present to our children and, and hearing their questions and, and dwelling there with the questions yeah. and, and pointing everything back to Jesus and the gift that he desires to give us. Yeah. And for those who are listening, the answer, like I'm loving these answers. It's maybe not the sound bite that you wanted. I'll try and provide that later, but receiving their question is more than half the battle to answering their question, like legitimizing it and receiving it. So I, I love it. Calvin, other thoughts? Well, I was, I think it's a, you asking us the question of how we would respond to our children. I think the first step for any father is ask, answering that question yourself. You know, like, yeah. have we have we brought that to the Lord? Hey, wait, why is it that my family chooses to prioritize this? Why have I prioritized this? Why do I go to mass? <laughs> you know, like asking that bigger question yourself. And, and if you haven't taken the time to pray and think, to learn, to, to, to chew on that, you know, when those questions come about for our children, we're not able to receive them, but we're also not able to have proactive conversations about this is why we do these things. Yeah. And you're saying it's hard to give an answer if you don't have one. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. then when you do, you know, have various answers, I, I have answers for everything, even when I don't have the answer, but <laughs> I can also be, I can also be vulnerable in those moments of like, you know what? I, I actually don't know, or, Hey, I'm wrestling with that too. And, and invite my family into that, um, in, when it's yeah. appropriate and, um, hopefully in a proactive way. So, so my kids can be drawn into the heart of the father as I'm, you know, being drawn in, um, in a deeper way and being more convicted of the whys um, in which we do the things that we do. Yeah. I, I just want to aff- affirm that, you know, most of the researchers who've really looked at, you know, faith of young people, uh, again, it's different. I've got teens uh, and tweens, but all the researchers show that like doubt is not toxic to a young person's faith. It's unexpressed doubt. Mm. And to create a space where someone can ask the question, why did we just have to sit for four hours? Like, why do we do this? I mean, gosh, God, thank God for the pandemic and the dispensation um, and for the disorientation it caused in us. We're like, well, I don't know why I go because I don't have to anymore. And like, that answer has been out the window for a few months uh, coming back, but we've been forced to answer this at a a deeper level. Um, and I think that's good for us. I love, I love what you said, Calvin. You, if you don't have a good answer for, for why you go, it's hard to give that to someone else. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I would just add I, on my part for the really little ones, when I come back for a communion, I try and remind this like, hey, Jesus is in daddy right now and he's giving you a hug. And this is your chance to hug him back. So if I'm holding or embracing one of the little ones, you know, I try and like help them rec- recognize that and connect with Jesus in that way. And for the older ones, it's like, well, okay. So the King of the universe is having a wedding feast and you got invited. Um, 
man, it's a little awkward to turn down that, that invitation because you're sleepy or you're, you, know, you want to do something else. But here's what's even more shocking. When you get there, you find out you're the bride. Like you're the beloved one. Um, I don't know how effective that's, that's been with, with, with my teens. There's, that's a little bit more advanced than the you know, answer for a four or, or five-year-old, but I um, think it's good for us to reflect on these things. So, okay, we took a little tangent here. Let's talk a little bit more about like, what does it look like to begin to live the church's vision for parents to evangelize and form their children? Like what, what are some of the favorite either things that you do concretely or, you know, one of the, just a, a principle that kind of guides you. I'd love to hear some stories here. Yeah, I can throw out a couple things here. Um, yeah, just one is just a bedtime routine and then, um, and then blessings. So I just want to talk about those two things. Um, nice. We have a, a bedtime routine um, that we've, you know, ever since the kids were, um, ever since Gemma was, you know, six months old and interested in a, in a book, um, so we, our bedtime routine consists of, of reading and prayer and songs, you know, and so I do this with the, um, with, with the two girls. So with, with Gemma and Margaret, um, and we spend, you know, anywhere from like 45 minutes to an hour before, before bed, um, you know, after they've gotten their, their jammies on and they brush their teeth, we'll read some just kind of fun stories, but then, um, we also will read from their, their kid's Bible, um, or we have little like stories of the saints that we'll, that we'll read with them. And that just, um, you're just picking one story out of the Bible. And um, sometimes Gemma will ask a ton of questions about it. And, you know, we can just kind of stay there um, and, uh, and get into a really, really good conversation. Like, I remember, uh, you know, questions like, does God have a body? You know, does God wear underwear? You know, and just like all the questions of a, of, you know, a preschooler. Um, but it's just, yeah, it's just a time, time where, where she can get answers um, from dad and kind of explore explore her faith. And yeah. And so that, that kind of leads us into a time of prayer. You know, sometimes we'll just, we'll, we'll um, pray a couple of Hail Marys, you know, our father. And so they're, they're learning some of those, those rope prayers, but, um, but we really like to um, just intercede for people. You know, who, who's a person mm-hmm. that you want to pray for, or who's a person that you want God to bless. Um, and just to hear them, I want, I want to pray for great grandma today, you know, yeah. and, um, and just how their hearts are drawn to specific people. And um, there's just a really sim- simplicity and an honesty mm-hmm. that, that's there. Yeah, I, I could second that, Andy. I'm routinely moved by what appears to me to be like the spirit of God descending on my children, moving their heart to pray for people that, of course, like, you know, praying for their, their family members or neighbors, you know, grandma is not that's not unexpected. It's not like, whoa, where'd you come up with that? But you can see sometimes that, that like the Lord is stirring their little hearts to pray. And man, I got to believe those prayers do something. Yeah. I I think they have effect. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So I, I love being able to enter into that time with them. We just snuggle, (laughs) snuggle up, you know, after, after reading, it's just like, I've Mm -hmm. got them both. um, And we just pray, spend a little time in prayer. Um, and then we sing, sing a couple songs, you know, so it's, it's Easter time now. So we've been singing, they know, you know, 
let's pick some songs that have Alleluia in them. You know, mm-hmm. and so just um, we, have, we have a hymnal and um, you know, we'll sing, sing a couple of songs. So they just do you, get to, do you slap their hand if they try and sing an Alleluia song in Lent? <laughs> no. Okay. Yeah. We no. have it strictly forbidden in our house. I'm just kidding. No. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Margaret, um, her, her favorite song right now is Jesus, Remember Me. Right. So it's just mm. Jesus, Remember Me when you come into your kingdom and it's just a simple words, right? She can, mm-hmm. she can sing along with it. Um, so it's, it's, it's Easter. We're still singing that song. It's a, it's great. Yeah. So I, I'd say that's, that's just been really powerful because it's a consistent time that I have with them um, where I can just be close to them and we can, we can have questions, you know, mm-hmm. we can enter into prayer time and they just know, they know that, that, that dad loves them. They, yeah, it, it's just a really special time. I think the other, the other thing that I want to hit and then Calvin, maybe if you want to jump in, mm-hmm. um, it's just blessings, you know? So we, ha- I have a book of, of household blessings. I don't mm-hmm. know. I don't know where I found it, but you know, there's a blessing for visitors that we use, you know? So whenever we have somebody come over for dinner, um, you know, if it's a family member, if it's just a friend, um, it's just, we'll, we'll pray that, that blessing for guests, um, before we, before we have dinner. And it's just, mm-hmm. it's just, you know, an honoring of, of guests and, and, and praying, Praying God's blessing on them, you know, welcome into our home, and um, we pray that He's with you, and you know, as you leave. I think it's been something that that our kids look forward to, you know, and just like welcoming a guest. And there's a kind of a special prayer that we that, that we get to enter into with them. And then the other thing is like a birth a birthday blessing, you know. So um, nice. kids, our kids will have birthday parties, right? We have um, our family comes over, we will have neighbors or you know our, our friends come over. They're all kind of at, at different places in their in their faith, but just to be able to um, pray a blessing over, you know, wh- whoever's birthday it is. Um, mm-hmm. And just to acknowledge, like, we're not just celebrating, you know, another, um, a- a- another loop around the sun, <laughs> you, know? <laughs> you know, we're celebrating yeah. this, this person as a gift from God. Um, this person is a gift, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and Andy, and I, this is their dignity. Can I put you on the spot? Like, what would that sound like? Right. What did it sound like at Gemma's? I don't know. I don't have the calendar in my head, but who the last one, like, what does it sound like to offer a blessing? Cause, cause I'm wondering if our listeners are like, Oh man, I feel awkward enough singing happy birthday out loud. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, it's like, you're, we're gathering everybody around, you know, we bring out the cake, uh, put it on the table. It's like, okay, everybody like we're, we're gathering around. We're going to, we're going to sing and we're going to give Gemma a blessing. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, I, I use the book of blessings. And so I, I've been just praying the the blessing from this book and it's just really yeah. beautiful. And so I just, I just let everyone know, like, hey, it's Gemma's birthday. We're, we're just celebrating, you know, that, um, that she's a gift in our family. And, and so I'd, I'd love it if you would enter into this, this short prayer with us. So it sounds uh, it, easy. It's not, that's not like you're not spontaneously, prosing out a birthday blessing yeah you know? no, I, I yeah i do the easy thing i just read from the book um but you know it's 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 a beautiful prayer and i think it's just a moment where we're we're giving glory to god and we're recognizing hey this is actually the reason that we're meeting together um, yeah just to celebrate the gift of this person yeah you're taking this familiar moment of a birthday party and you're just elevating it just a little bit you're inviting jesus to the party <laughs> crazy calvin what about you what are some of your favorite like how do you how do you guys live this out well, first of all, I can't wait to look that uh, prayer for visitors up. I had never heard of that. And that uh, sounds really exciting. I think Andy hitting on, you know, finding a rhythm during your, during a, every day, you know, to prioritize prayer, to normalize Jesus being brought up, you know, throughout your day to pray with your kids. I think that's so beautiful. The two things that I would maybe want to hit on are 
well, first, it, what Andy shared, I think, is so significant. You know, finding that rhythm, praying with mm-hmm. your kids, praying over kids. So I, I want to kind of just add on that, but I'll, I'll, I'll choose to just do two different things that I think have have been a blessing to our family. One uh, would be just trying to enter into the liturgical calendar. So not just finding a rhythm on a daily basis, but on a kind of a weekly, monthly, yearly basis. Mm-hmm and um, entering in that way. And then number two would be the necessity of, of having holy friends to help in this endeavor. Mm. And so to, to, so to first zero in on um, just the liturgical calendar, you know, I had a, a friend recently share, you know, as Christians, we're either in a state of celebration or preparing to celebrate. And our liturgical calendar is set up as such. And if we can enter in to that rhythm, he just said, it's impossible to be bored. And we've just found that to be true in our household. Like it's impossible to be bored. And so our day-to-day or week-to-week or month-to-month, we try to enter in, I guess, yeah, according to that calendar. So practically, it looks like, you know, looking ahead to the next month and saying, are there any significant feast days? Mm-hmm. You know, so feast days that would be like our children's name. Is, is it St. Josephine's feast day for Josie? Is it St. Gemma's feast day? It's looking at baptism days. We just celebrated our um, son Oliver's baptism day on Monday. Mm-hmm. And while we were all sitting around, we brought out the baptismal cat, cat candle. We lit it. We sang happy baptism day to you. And then I asked my oldest daughter, you know, Hey Josie, why do we celebrate Oliver's baptism? And again, she just responded with Oliver. It's because when you're baptized, you're brought into God's family and now you're part of God's family. It was so fun. Like it was <laughs> I feel like we need to have awesome. her on the podcast. Like <laughs> yeah. this is her second shout out. <laughs> Why did I invite Calvin? <laughs> yeah, she's great. But um, oh, so this is Josie again. <laughs> this is another awesome story. It was the Feast of the Annunciation just not too long ago. And so on feast days, we try to do something special. We either make the kids, uh, you know, a cookie or a cake, or I, I like to also just go get donuts early in the morning. So I'll, yeah. I'll just like go get donuts. I'll come home and it's like, it's this feast day. So we get donuts today. And so it was Feast of the Annunciation. We got donuts. We were talking about it as a family. And Josie went to school that day and she went up to the front of class and she's like, it's the Feast of the Annunciation. <laughs> and the teacher's like, what, Josie, what? <laughs> like, what is today? And she's like, doesn't everybody know? Like, it's the Feast of the Annunciation. She goes, well, Josie, why don't you tell everybody what the Feast of the Annunciation oh, is? Gosh, and she was crazy. like, oh, it's Christmas in nine months. You know, like, uh, and she got to just like bring this like, excitement, you know, to this feast day uh, because we try to celebrate, you know, those, those feast days. And so we found like, well, Advent, it's this time to be creative as a family. How do we want to enter into that season? You know, the Easter octave, great. How do we want to enter into that season? How can we celebrate as a family? Lent, you know, what is that going to look like? So it might serve for a season, say, we're going to try to do a decade of the rosary every night during during Lent. That was something that we tried to do this year. Oh, failed miserably. It's so hard to do with so many kids, but we tried. Like that was just something we inserted in during that season to try to follow the calendar. And and we found that it just has brought so much life to our family, but also other families that we invited in. So, you know, our Advent routine this last year was uh, singing a song as our kids went and grabbed the Bible. We read the, the, um, the readings for that day and discussed them as a family during supper. Mm -hmm. And every family that came over during Advent saw us do that and got to enter in with us. And it was so powerful to share that time with, with grandma and grandpa, with siblings, with, uh, you know, just neighbors. Um, Yeah. We just found following the liturgical calendar has just been a game changer for us. And we certainly aren't bored. Yeah. That's awesome. Thank you for talking about how hard it is 
just the, the hard moments like praying the, cause I, praying the rosary with little ones. I was just about to intervene. It's like, okay, for those of you who are finding this so beautiful that it's becoming desolating, let me just start to tell stories about teenagers. So I'll, 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 I'll share, uh, I mean, just, just for the, 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 those of you who are like, Oh crap, this just doesn't sound possible. Uh, Couple things. I would agree with that. It is impossible. And that's why my next point of like, oh, you go, need go. holy friends. No, I, I'd love to hear yes. your story, but you need holy friends and examples. I have never had an original thought in my entire life. All of the right. ideas that I do or implement are because much holier people have inspired me to do so. And so I, I yeah. want to expand on that, but Jim, yeah, please share the story because it is hard. It's nearly impossible. Yeah. All of our, yeah, all of our surgery. Well, you, I mean, we can't do it alone. Um, not just an individual, but even families alone. So we've we've been very, very intentional about trying to make friends and cultivate relationships and whole family time with other weird families. Uh, <laughs> that's this is it's really it's actually uh, I I want to say their names right now, but I probably won't just to protect their their innocence. Uh, but you know, it, it's so helpful for our teenagers to like, oh, you have to do chores too. Oh, you didn't get a phone until you were in high school. Oh, you didn't. Uh, oh, and it's like, at the very least, we have the ability, mom, nobody. It's like, ah, 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 ah. But okay, we'll give a shout out here. The Hennings. Okay, fine. So there's one other family, but they're not, you know, you know, like we can, we can throw out, you know, the names of other families that, that live in a similar way. I would say for us, just to Andy, to, to your point, both of you talked about this. If you're getting started and this is like, oh my gosh, it all seems overwhelming, like just focus on consistency. And, and so for us, that means one decade of the rosary per night. And the whole family gathers together and we just do one decade of the rosary. And it's been, you know, we used to joke, we used to give this, like Kim and I would give this talk about family rosary. And we're like, you know, be careful. Like the rosary can be a choking hazard. And people are like, oh yeah. And they're imagining like little kids eating the beads. I'm like, no, I mean, for the teenagers, like if you try and pray the whole rosary with your teenagers, they're going to choke um, most teenagers. I mean, it's just too much. And so praying one decade uh, is just been, uh, again, it's been such a gift for us because it's far less resistance it's a moment of peace and we're actually able to do that consistently. Um, so I would say to like, you know, focus on consistency. We stop doing the rosary when we get to Lent, right? Talvin, your point about liturgical season, then we just do one station of the cross. And I think we're winning because of the consistency and the depth rather than, you know, we're like we dim the lights, we have a, you know, we have a candle, we, we get to think a little bit about the mystery, have some beautiful pictures that allow the little ones to kind of look that aids their contemplation. And it's like, man, one, one well-prayed decade that has just a moment of real prayer in it is uh, we're going to count that as a win rather than, you know, doing the whole 15, uh, you know, all, all the decades and, and not actually having a, a, a peaceful or prayerful thought. Mm -hmm. So I can yeah. say more, but I'll stop there. No, I I, I love that. I mean, we don't want to let the the perfect be the enemy of the good, right? And and this is this yeah. is um, something that takes a while to to build. Like we've been mm -hmm. talking about a lot of habits, but it's not you know these aren't things that we just implemented mm -hmm. overnight. It's like start with yeah. one habit, and then you know once that becomes kind of ingrained or just part of our our rhythm, it's like we're exploring other habits and cool. and and figuring out okay which ones actually work for our family and with where the kids yeah. are at right now. Yeah, and give yourself permission. 
to, to like to stop some things when it's not working mm. anymore mm-hmm. or to, or to change up the routine when, when it's a, it's a new season of grace, a new season, you know, liturgical season. I mean, but the goal is not which family can have the most devotionals, you know, packed in, like just choose one or two that, that feel right uh, to you. Well, St. John Paul II, he has a quote where he says, it's impossible to live and grow in the faith without the support of a group, something along those lines. And I think um, to to what we discussed and in, in adjusting and changing and learning new things, you know, I, I would say that it's actually possible, but it's impossible to do it well. It's it's impossible to actually thrive as a father, as a family without the support of the group. And our family has just had experiences of, you know, of moving somewhere new and not really knowing, you know, where we would find that support. And so I, I found that when I can be really intentional about asking other men that I either respect or am growing in friendship with to just say like, Hey, I am going to need help when it comes to raising my kids. So can I ask you to like, really be present to me as a father and to my mm-hmm. children. And so could you ask about my prayer life? Could you ask about my kids' your life? And I want to give you permission to have conversations with my kids about mm-hmm. their prayer lives, um, about what Jesus is doing. Like, can you try to say Jesus's name when you're around my kids? And that's just been a game changer for us. And I'll just share one yeah. quick story with that. You know, having that conversation with an individual a few weeks later, he came by, I was at work, but he just dropped off a little crucifix um, that he had found. And he just said, oh, I thought Calvin would like that. But when he came in, he had a conversation with my oldest daughter and she goes, hey, what's that? And he goes, oh, it's a it's a crucifix. And she goes, why? Why'd you bring that? And he goes, well, I want your dad to be a warrior for Christ. And she like ran off. So a few days later, it was sitting on my desk. She comes downstairs and she goes, Hey dad, what's that? And I said, Oh, my friend, my friend brought that to me. She goes, why? Oh, cause he's a good friend. And it was a nice thing to do. And she goes, no, you're supposed to be a warrior for Christ. <laughs> I said, Josie, you're right. I am supposed to be a warrior for Christ. And then she goes, you can't do that. You're my dad. <laughs> I said, Josie, I can be your dad and I can be a warrior for Christ. But it was this awesome teaching moment that like would have never taken place. That's I don't think good. if I invited that individual into like helping me. And again, all of my ideas around a liturgical yeah. calendar are praying in the evenings or finding a rhythm of prayer have came from my parents or other people who have inspired me to do these things. Our conversation earlier about the, um, you know, where does a parish fit into this? Like, it, it, when we start living like a family, when we invite other families into our family, when right, we yeah. par- participate yeah. in raising our kids collectively as a, as a parish and ask each other to do that and do that well, I think really beautiful things can happen. Yeah, that, that's one of the, like, for our pastors, for our parish leaders, those of you who are, who are listening, introducing one good family to another is often the most beautiful thing that you can do and helping to facilitate time for those families to connect. Because it can be lonely. It can be very lonely and overwhelming if you're trying to do this alone. That, and I would say, if you are feeling like overwhelmed, I don't even know where to start. I've never done this. My dad never did this for me. Being able to be honest with another dad, just saying, or another couple saying, hey, we want to be good parents. We want to raise our kids in the face and we don't have a clue. Would you help us with that? Or do you want to try to figure out how to do that together? You know, that's just a game changer in being able to be honest and vulnerable. Or when it comes to difficult moments of like, guess what? My teenage child is rebelling right now and I don't know what to do about it. You know, can we talk about that? And can we figure out how to navigate that together? 
because like JP3 said, it's nearly impossible without the support of a group. And, and I think we need to lean into that more. Yeah. Yeah. We intentionally, Calvin, Kim and I have very specific adults that have been invited into the lives of specific children. So some of them cross, you know, there are certain uh, other individuals that, that have a, a role and have that speak into the lives of multiple kids in our family, but some of them are just particular to one individual. Uh, and some are in the, you know, they're in like, they're the godparent or the confirmation sponsor, but others are just good, faithful adults that we've intentionally invited in um, because they need that example more than just us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's so good. I was just thinking about the, how dynamic it is when you have a rhythm of life like that. And mm-hmm. that's in, in that when you're, when you have good friends like that, you're inviting them into the, the rhythm of life that you've established for your family and you're getting to experience some of the rhythm of life that they've established. And there's just, there's a real dynamism there that, uh, that helps, you know, all of these families to grow, um, uh, grow in holiness. And I think that's what's that there's an evangelizing power in mm-hmm. that. Um, yeah. cause these, these habits just become kind of anchors in your family mm-hmm. life. And, you know, if, if we're faithful in those, in those habits that we're building up and um, being invitational, inviting people over for dinner, right. Or inviting them to other things that our family is doing, right. That just gets, um, that's just going to rub off and, and start conversations. Right. Okay. Andy, I, I appreciate that you said that. I, that reminds me of a hard question that I want to bring to us because all the stuff we're talking about, the liturgical seasons and Bible stories and songs and all that, that's beautiful. But I think the three of us in particular, we, you know, we all have very missionary hearts. I, I think we share a conviction that the a formation in the faith is not complete unless care for the poor and the evangelizing mission of the church are deeply formed in our children. How do you do that, right? It's one thing to just have you know, these cool little devotionals where people learn the content of the faith. Uh, it's cool to have these special moments. You know, we always, I always take my kids out, you know, for, for treats and around the first communion and confirmation. I, I, again, I share the gospel with them anew. I share my story. Mm-hmm. I, I invite them to, to invite Jesus again into their hearts, into the center of their lives. Those things are all really beautiful, but how do you, how do you teach your children care for the poor? How do you teach your children their role in the evangelizing mission of the church? Yeah, I, I think it's a great question. And I, as I'm thinking about my own family, right, my oldest is four, right? So there's kind of thinking about, okay, what's the, what are some age appropriate ways for them to really engage in this, right? And one of the things that we've been trying recently, um, uh, you know, we because because we've had family members or, or friends that have just been going through difficult times, not giving our children all of the details of those situations, but just letting them know, like, I think we should really pray for, uh, for so-and-so and because they're going through a difficult time. Would you, would you be able to draw a picture for them that just to help them feel like, like God is, is close to them right now and just nice. draw a picture and we'll, we'll send them a letter and we'll just include your picture in that. Um, and so just starting to give them an awareness of others, right. And, and the, the difficulty, the poverty that's around them, that seemed to be something that they, they really get excited about. Um, and they can connect with, you know, and, and yeah. empathize with. Well, and who can't receive 
It's like, oh, that's great. Gemma drew me a picture of Jesus. Mm-hmm. She's so manipulative. I bet she's judging <laughs> me. As, you know, like, who can't receive right. a drawing right. from a kid? Right. I love that. I, I would say for us, like we, you know, back to like that John Paul II, like in a daily mode, this takes a fair amount of discipline on our part. But when we see the homeless, when we're out and about uh, running errands, we stop and we go get a gift card. And, and I, I will engage in just a little conversation and, and I'll, you know, provide, even if it's just a dig, the dignity of the conversation, maybe a gift card goes with it, but I'll, I'll provide something. And I think it's essential that my children see me doing that on a regular basis. So in the winter, I always keep the little hot hands you know, little warmer packs and granola bars. In the summer, I usually keep water in the car that I can give. Um, and if I'm unprepared because I don't have my water, or I don't have those little hot packs, um, then I penalize myself. as like, all right, this person gets a gift card because mm-hmm. I'm going to do something. And and I, I think I've seen that 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 rubs off. Yeah, I love that. I would say that the the greatest gift that you can give your kids is first and foremost, striving after personal holiness and in committing to personal holiness yourself. And then as a couple, um, uh, you'll have a greater awareness of what your particular charisms are and what your particular mm-hmm. gifting is. And in knowing that and how the Lord desires to use you and your family, and if you lean into that more, then your, your children get to experience that and witness that. Can you just expound a little bit, Calvin, what do you mean when you talk about like particular charisms and giftings? Just give a couple examples of that and just so people kind of know what you're talking about. Right. Um, you know, we would just, uh, the catechism would describe, you know, a charism, the gifts from the Lord, unique gifts from the Lord being, um, uh, you know, particular gifts are unique to an individual to help build up the kingdom of God. And, and so, if you don't have an awareness of that, you could look up Sherry Waddell's, um, you know, called gifted or, or just going to the catechism and just reading about the charisms would be uh, different charisms would be a, a great gift. But people have different uh, charisms that would be like the gift of teaching, you know, or yeah. um, evangelization, hospitality, um, finding those out, discovering them and leaning into those. I, I have a, you know, a few examples of two, how we try to embody that in our family. But yeah, Jim, what are you thinking? You no, know, I was, I was going to say, I see it in you. I mean, you know, you, anybody who's been around Calvin knows that he has the gift of evangelization um, and hospitality. The, you know, I've been blessed to be a beneficiary of that, you know, staying, staying in the, the Mueller household, mm-hmm. you know, on, on trips, trips to Norfolk and you intentionally lean into hospitality. Um, and that's a gift. And what I love about that gift is oftentimes people tend to think, oh man, I, I'm not a teacher. I'm not a whatever, you know, I don't have this like kind of supernatural gift for, for prayer. And yet just things like, you know, helping to, to be present to people when they're grieving, showing Mm -hmm. hospitality, the Lord works through those things. And so doing it, maybe, maybe a super simple way to say it is like, do this as yourself, right? Mm -hmm. Love, Mm -hmm. do the corporal works of mercy as yourself. For some of you, that's going to mean apple pie. And for some of you, that's going to mean, you know, a a word of comfort, but whatever, somebody's just a helping hand, I'm going to cut their grass, but whatever it is, Mm -hmm. when you do it as yourself, the Lord moves. 
Yeah. Yeah. That's why I think the gift of teaching or the charism of like service, you know, like some people are just so have particular gifts to just do those things so well and so naturally. And so to witness those to your children, I, I, I'm jealous of people who are, who have the ability to teach really well. I don't feel like I have that. So, but if, if I did, you know, I would want my kids to participate in that, mm-hmm. um, just, and, and witness that. So we try to lean into that gift of evangelization and hospitality. So our kids, you know, are actively seeing people come in and out of our house, you know, or us hosting studies or things like that. And I think that God willing will give them an imagination and experience of, you know, Christ just being present in our home in a unique way and hopefully uh, expand their hearts to, to, to want to, um, you know, experience, uh, you know, Christ in a, in a, in an evangelization and in a, in a carrying weight to the poor as you're describing Jim. Okay. So Calvin, I just have to maybe state the obvious. I don't know if this is what other people are are thinking or if anybody's mind is going here. So you're saying you're inviting unevangelized people into your mm-hmm. home. You're, you're mm-hmm. letting your kids have exposure to sinners. Like what? Talk a little bit about that. Cause I think there's a, there's a tension that we feel as parents, on the one hand, I love the way you you said this earlier, Andy, there, there's an age appropriateness, right? So I take my teenagers on deep dive mission trips and we go work with, the, with street kids and the poorest of the poor in the dumps. But I don't do that with my toddlers, right? The, you know, the, the toddlers get to see daddy, you know, having a conversation with a homeless man. Um, but that's, you know, there, there's an age appropriate question that we wrestle with. But then I think on the other side, there's this, I think, growing awareness that they have to see me evangelizing. They have to see me serving the poor. And there's no way for them to see me evangelizing unless they are present with me, with those who are unevangelized, maybe far from mm-hmm. the Lord, who would be a bad example. How, how do you resolve that tension your, yourselves and in your families? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I'm sure there'll there'll be things that we'll have to navigate as our kids get older. But I think, like you acknowledge, what's appropriate for your family right now, and having that conversation, you know, as a couple, <laughs> how is the Lord asking us to enter into, to have a purpose, to have a mission, to, um, mm-hmm. you know, to to live as Christians that's appropriate for our family. And right now, because of the age of our kids, we have the luxury of being able to open up our house. We're not running to sports in the evenings or running after different mm-hmm. things. We prioritized. Um, and I guess we've kind of set goals, right? We've kind of set goals saying like, Hey, we want to have, um, this month, let's try to have four different couples over to our house, you know, during a week, uh, during the next month. Hey, let's try to pray with two couples in the next month. Do we think we can do that? You know, like let's try to host a picnic at the park. We discuss things yeah. that we feel like we can do and then invite our kids into that, right. Or, or allow our kids to experience that. Um, and so when it comes to people who aren't evangelized or who, who live as pagans, you know, I I think that's a great question, but I think we just try to respond, I guess, to whatever the Lord places in front of us. So Mm -hmm. we pray about Lord, who are we supposed to have over this week? You know, who can we invite over after mass? And oftentimes, I guess we find ourselves trying to evangelize those in the pews, those people sitting right next to us at mass who maybe haven't had a deeper experience of, of Christ's love. And, and so there's not a lot of risky people coming into our house, right. but we're not opposed to that. You know, uh, right. we are, I, I don't hear you saying uh, that you are categorically ruling out people who sin in this way. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Right. Because you want to be open to what the Lord might call. 
Yeah. Andy, any thoughts on this? There's not really a whole lot of risk if you're thinking about risk to their to their faith or like this them losing their faith by by yeah. giving an an amazing demonstration of faith, you know, and, yeah. and, and oh my love. gosh. Yeah. Well, thank you. You just named the fear, right? I think that's the fear. Legitimately, sometimes there are safety concerns, but I think mm-hmm. the more common concern is, my gosh, if the, you know, if I if I invite this person who struggles with same-sex attraction, or if I invite this person who struggles with an addiction, or if I invite the insert whatever bad example you fear most mm. here, if I invite this person in then they're going to somehow be swept away by that. And you're like, well, wait a minute. At the same time, they're witnessing an authentic Christian love from you, their parent. Yeah. They're witnessing the way that their parents treat every person with dignity and Mm -hmm. treat them as a child of God. Right. And that's what they're going to, that's what they're going to carry with them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's beautiful. Okay. Guys, as we wrap up here, I'm going to give you a moment to think here. What's one, like you're one, like this is, this is our best, this is our best kind of devotional faith sharing hack. Sounds like a really horrible way to like, This is our, our best thing that we do. If we can only share one, we've, we've thrown out a bunch of ideas. Hmm. What, what's your one that you would want to like share with people as we close? All right, Jim, I got five for you. Here we go. Yeah. I'm just kidding. I will only give one. <laughs> uh, I'll give two. Okay, I, I was just kind of repeat what I shared earlier. I think the the uh, the biggest gift for me and my wife is to think ahead and to plan ahead and look at the coming month and mm-hmm. to just say like as Christians we want to celebrate the resurrected Lord. And so what are the feast days? What are the baptism days? What are the things that we can celebrate as a family? And yeah. and let's prioritize that. And we find ourselves I guess maybe celebrating Husker victories or Chiefs wins less, but being filled up so much more when we celebrate um, things that are of the Lord and things that are um, yeah in the forefront, I guess, of of, of glorifying the Lord in this Christian life. Um, I, I would yeah. say that's the most important thing. And then number two, number two, Wait, I, would I want to say- pile. On, I want to pile on. Okay. Yeah. For the we do the same thing. So we have the baptism days, the feast days. Those are on our family calendar. Mm-hmm. And knowing how life goes, we not only is it an annual recurring event, but we have a reminder because yep. it's going to, right? The reminder pops up three weeks in advance, like, oh crap, it's Josie's baptism day. Uh, and I like, I need to think ahead, you know, like make mm. sure that we get a nice cake and that's part, you know, like, and just simple things like um, it's part of the family calendar. It shows up every year and we're getting a reminder to make sure we can be prepared to celebrate. Mm-hmm. Okay, go ahead. Well, just number two, I would just ask you to be honest with yourself and just whatever the Lord is stirring up, whether you listen to this and you're like, man, I can't wait to jump in and try to do all of these things that Andy shared, or you're like, oh, that's so impossible. I just, my family would not be able to look like that. I would ask you to just be honest with yourself and vulnerable with somebody and just say, hey, mm-hmm. I, I think the Lord is maybe asking us to do this. I felt challenged by this. I feel encouraged by this. You know, could you help? And, and just being, willing to have a conversation with somebody, I think is just a, a game changer. Uh, I would just really encourage people to, yeah, again, just acknowledge where you're at and then go have a conversation with somebody asking them to help you get to where you think the Lord is asking you and your family to be. Nice. I, I would say for us, our favorite devotional thing has been the Jesse tree devotion. Some, mm-hmm. some of you are familiar with this, you know, over Advent, 
Jesse was King David's father. And so it's this, sometimes it's a branch. We use a bare Christmas tree. So we'll put right just the, the tree up. And then every night there is an ornament that, that gets put on. That is the story of a particular uh, kind of forebearer of Jesus, right? So it's, it's Adam and Moses and Noah and Abraham and all of the stories. And what has become really cool about it is it's a salvation history Bible study that's repeated every year. And that, that particular story, the story of salvation history was a hugely formative thing for me. Um, you know, the, the Jeff Caven, Scott Hahn series, if, if you're not familiar with them, you know, the, the amazing, what is it? The great adventure Bible timeline, all those fantastic resources. I'm able to repeat those stories and do them age appropriate, right? For like the little kids, kids Bible versus now the teens and really being able to draw them in and to let them teach part of it and ask questions. And it, it's my favorite devotion. I love that time of year, but it's a devotion that has grown with us as our children have grown. And it, it's persisted despite the significant gap between an 18 year old and a two year old. That's so great, Jim. And I love that your example leans into your particular teaching charism. You're yeah. exceptionally yep. good at that. And uh, so you lean into that and um, your, your children get to experience the fruit of that. What yeah. a gift. And the way God, the gift it was to me, that story captured my heart and attention. It was a big part of my conversion and initial kind of coming back to the faith. All right, Andy, close us up. What do you got? Yeah, for me, my, my favorite habit, uh, the way that we um, as a family bring Christ out is uh, Christmas caroling, right? So this is a tradition I received you know, from my dad who received it from his dad. I think it started with my grandfather who in San Diego would just take, he would have a big Christmas Eve party, invite the neighbors, invite coworkers. And then at a certain point, um, just invite everyone to go out caroling, you know, through the neighborhood. And he'd have a, a shepherd's crook with a lantern on it. And he'd kind of lead the way through the neighborhood. And it's had the biggest impact of anything on my mm -hmm. imagination. You know, my imagination for evangelization, my, like, Here's something that's worth going out on a cold December night for, you know, we yeah. have something that's worth sharing. That's worth, you know, going out, knocking on doors, you know, just bringing the joy to people. I just, one of the most impactful moments of this um, was a veteran who, um, you know, he's he probably in his seventies, but he had lost his wife recently. We, we chose silent night, you know, we started singing silent night um, at this guy's house. Didn't know who was, who was here, but he came out and, and just was in tears you know, and, and said that that was his wife's favorite song, you know, and so we were just able to have a conversation with him about that and encourage him. And um, yeah, it's just like, here's a really concrete way of, of just bringing the joy of Christ um, um, to our neighbors. And I think, you know, I'm excited for just the impact that that's going to have on my, my children, on their imagination. And, you know, as they're, you know, shaking mm -hmm. their tambourines as we go from, from door to door. Um, so yeah, that's, that's probably my favorite um, tradition. That's beautiful. So listeners, we would like to invite you into this conversation. Conscious of the fact that there are no moms in this conversation, uh, moms, jump on in there. We're, we're going to be, when we post this, you will get an opportunity. There's a comment box. We'd love to hear your ideas, comments, questions, be easy on us. Uh, but we'd love to hear your thoughts as well. If this 
inspires an imagination for how the parish can come alongside families to encourage, to equip them. I'd reference you back to episode number 20 on reimagining uh, religious education in our parishes. It's one of our most popular episodes. Uh, it tells the story, uh, Father Lowski and Jackie, the uh, DRE and pastor, respectively, not in that order, uh, at St. Charles Borromeo, the work they did to reimagine their religious education to do precisely that, to come alongside families, to gather them together, to support them in their task of passing on the faith to the kids. Uh, if that, if any of this conversation stirs comments, please comment in our comment box. You can find that at equip.archomaha.org. That's the blog. You get notice anytime you subscribe, you'll get noticed at anytime we drop an episode and you can continue the conversation there and check out episode number 20 on reimagining religious ed. We'll put some of the cool stuff we, we mentioned here in the show notes. If we can find that, that book of blessings, uh, we can put those in, in the show notes. Thank you for being with us and uh, God bless. God bless.